Welcome to the Denim Dungeon. I am your host, Brian Rennick, a writer at 49ers Web Zone, and I am joined, as always, by my fellow writer, my co-host, but most importantly, my good buddy, Trader Tim, Tim Sprinkles. Tim, you put out a mock draft today on Twitter in what you traded approximately 65 times in the draft to get four first-round picks, a couple second-round picks, and just an all-around home run mock draft. How are you feeling? I, I'm recovering from all the hate I received uh, <laughs> from that tweet. It was intense. But there's no doubt that um, with, with, with something, it was controversial. Let's, let's just be, let's call it what it is. The, you know, no one in their right mind would trade back from three when you you spent so much to trade up for that pick but in this in this pretend uh mock draft that i did i traded uh the number three pick to the carolina panthers for two first round picks uh the 2022 and 23 first round picks and then i traded back again at from eight to 12 and then i got another 2022 first round pick and a 2022 second round pick. And then at number 12, I drafted Trey Lance. So all the hate. So super realistic. Super realistic. <laughs> but there have been other, like PPF, your PFF just released a mock draft and Lance dropped down to 10. And there's been other drafts where, where Lance has fallen into the teens. So I don't really feel like what I did is just, Un, so unrealistic where it would never happen. It is highly unlikely. Don't get me wrong. In my opinion, Trey Lance is the fourth best quarterback by a huge margin over Mac Jones. But it it's not don't like it's not like it's out of the realm of possibilities. We watched Aaron Rodgers fall down to the 30s. And I don't know if Absolutely. any quarterback in this draft is gonna is gonna be better than Aaron Rodgers. So Things happen, man. Yeah, no, but, that's that's true. I, I think the I I don't think the unrealistic part is that Trey Lance fell to twelve. Obviously, stranger things have happened in a draft. Um, but it the thing that struck me was these deals that you made with these other teams where they're trading multiple first round picks. Um, if Trey Lance was available at twelve, it means that at least one of them didn't make that trade for a quarterback. And I'm not sure that there's anyone in this draft that is worth multiple first round picks if it's not the quarterback position. But I don't know. I well, could be wrong. Well, I mean, obvious the Panthers chose Justin Fields at three. The Eagles didn't choose Lance at eight, but they didn't trade two first round picks. I mean, ultimately, I mean, if you count, yes, they received, you know, they received eight and they gave up their twelfth round pick or their the number twelve pick this year. And next year's first round pick. So technically that's two first round picks. I, I don't like how that's described, but whatever. I don't, I don't either. It's a pick swap and they gave up one pick. Right. And then they gave up a second round the fo- you know, the following year. So in this whole, you know, shenanigans of a mock draft, you know, I I I was able to get back all of the first round picks that the Niners lost getting up to number three. And I was actually able to gain a first round pick and a second round pick by falling back to the exact same spot that they were in when there was a possibility that they were going to draft Mac Jones, who I thought was 
That's who I thought I was going to draft at 12. I was just going to play that game and draft Mac Jones at 12, but somehow Trey Lance fell. And then I proceeded to trade away all of the draft capital that I had just made in those two trade backs and pick up an additional three more first round picks. And in this this crazy draft, I lost. So from where I started, and if my goal was, and if if Trey Lance was my guy, and that's who I was going to pick at three, and I wound up getting Trey Lance at 12, I got Rashad Bateman, arguably one of the best receivers um, in this draft at 18, and I got Greg Newsom. At twenty five, and I got Asante Asante Samuel Jr. at thirty. So, so you, that, you you picked in the first round four times. Yes, <laughs> and and it's not, and we didn't get, and the 49ers did not give up anything that they didn't already have when they started the draft. Right, that's some impressive so, maneuvering, man. I got to admit that is unbelievable maneuvering. And then, but I also picked up additional picks in a, in a couple of spots. And then I was able to trade back into the next round and pick up Landon Dickerson at 51 and then Tommy Tremble at 102. So overall, I was very happy with the. Um, <laughs> so within the first 102 picks, mm-hmm. you came away with Trey Lance, mm-hmm. uh, Asante Bateman. Samuel Jr., Rashad Bateman, Greg Newsom. Okay. Landon uh-huh. Dickerson and Tommy Tremble. Yeah. That's yeah, a, I did. that's a hell of a draft. That is you know, that would be the talk of the NFL for years to come. That is Kevin Costner in draft day level maneuvering of the draft. And I, for one, am impressed. And Thanks. also, I, unlike most of the people on Twitter, knew that this wasn't something that you put together because this is what you want the 49ers to do. No. But Twitter sure lacks some nuance and I, and and a sense of humor at times and it is that in the, and of itself is funny to me. <laughs> I got called I got called dumb and stupid and I, a waste of time. Um even uh, I think it was Niner Niner Nate told me to sit down Tim just sit down. Um, this was this was one of, yeah, this was one of the first times uh, on on the Twitterverse where I sent something out and got an immense amount of. Uh, I w- I don't want to call it hatred, but I do want to call it negativity for sure. Um, Definitely, I try negativity. And, I try and stay very positive. I always try and do things that aren't really going to stir the pot too much because I believe in, in what you put out there, you know, you get back. So I want to put out good vibes. I want to say good things, build people up. And, and my hope is that that returns. And I know Twitter is not necessarily the place for that consistency. Um, this draft was not meant to, to ruffle any feathers, but it definitely, uh, as the, the notifications popped up, I, <laughs> I was, I was, I was taken back by uh, <laughs> some of the things said. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, uh, I felt the need to to comment on a couple of them and be like, "Bro, calm down. This is <laughs> this is not serious. 
the fact that you think it's serious says more about you than it does about this mock draft. Like, cool your jets. This is satire more than everything. It's just a fun thing to do. It's a fun exercise that you guys took way too far. And now here we are arguing on the internet over something that was just meant to be entertaining. So 49ers Twitter, I I think, and I think part of the problem is uh, 49ers Twitter has been just absolutely on edge basically since the season ended, starting with the Deshaun Watson rumors, then Matthew Stafford, just trying whatever we can to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo and then trading up to three and then being bombarded by the national media with Mac Jones as a lock at three and the majority of 49ers Twitter, or at least the majority of 49ers content creators are like, there's no way it's going to be Mac Jones. In fact, I put it on our, put out an article today on the web zone and the headline simply was the 49ers are not drafting Mac Jones. And that was after Peter Schrager from NFL Network put Mac Jones in his mock draft. And there's another one today that I can't remember. But yeah, I think uh, I, I, it, the draft just needs to get here. I mean, it's 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 to the point now where, you know, we are, what are we, nine days away? We're Robbie Gold days away from the draft. And <laughs> it just it just needs to get here. Good as gold. There you go. Uh, tomorrow will be Steve Young days, which I'm pretty excited about. That's yes, that know. will be um, that will be awesome. Someone, and I'm sure someone will tweet that out that it is uh, that it is Steve Young days until, and then and then on Thursday it'll be Colin Kaepernick, and then on Friday Mike Kofer days away. What? Oh. What up? And then Saturday, Jeff Garcia, and then Sunday, Nick Mullins, and then Monday, CJ Bethard, and then Tuesday, Brian Hoyer? I think so. I think Brian Hoyer was two. Blaine Gabbert? Oh, Blaine Gabbert. That's a good one. That's a good one. Do we have any ones? Josh Johnson. Josh. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Got it. Or... Justin Fields, days away. Hey-o. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We are, we are, what are we, for, foreshadowing, foreshadowing uh, later in this episode. But uh, speaking of mock drafts, uh, what we're going to do tonight is, uh, first and foremost, we got some news and notes to go over. We're going to talk about the biggest draft needs that the 49ers have heading into the 2021 NFL draft. And then you and I are going to do... Uh, seven round mock draft for the 49ers. And then next week, uh, our episode will center around a full first round mock draft that we will do together, uh, alternating picks. We did that last year. It was one of the first things that we kind of did in trying to put together uh, a, a podcast. We were trying to kick around ideas and uh, we ended up doing a we ended up doing a mock draft together last year. I, I listened to it the other day. I listened to some of it and I was like, man, like the sound quality was awful. We weren't great. <laughs> we have, we've, we've grown. We've come a long way. We've, we've come we've, a long way. We have Brian. come a long way. And so, um, but yeah, so that's what we're going to do tonight. Uh, but the first thing that we wanted to focus on 
uh, twofold. There were two retirements that affected the 49ers this week. Uh, one was announced today. One was announced yesterday. Uh, today is Tuesday. We are recording on a Tuesday night. You'll hear this on a Wednesday. Um, but yesterday, Alex Smith, 49ers legend, oh. forever 49er, announced on Instagram that he is retiring from the National Football League. And I know I, for one, uh, was a little – I was sad. I was really sad. I, you know, I, I one of my first articles for the Web Zone – was all about how if Alex Smith even stepped foot on a football field in 2020, he should be the NFL comeback player of the year. Not only did he step foot on the field, he started multiple games and played well. And so it is uh, a bittersweet to hear that he is retiring, but if anybody has earned a retirement, it's it's Alex Smith. With, with everything that he went through with the 49ers organization to – then be traded to the Chiefs and get Colin Kaepernick again by Patrick Mahomes and then get traded to the Washington football team and then have that horrific leg injury that doctors said they normally see in like massive car wrecks and uh, IED uh, explosions in war zones. So for, for him to go through all of that and still be the class act that he was, uh, I've got nothing but respect for Alex Smith. He will always be one of my favorite 49ers. And I wish him the best in retirement. And I do hope at some point he does come back and have some kind of connection with the organization. You know, I, I've never had the pleasure of, of meeting or speaking with Alex Smith. Uh, however, I have heard nothing but great things uh, about him from other people that have met him, uh, all of the interviews, all of the team interactions that I've seen, uh, have just been phenomenal and positive. He, he seems to be, uh, a tremendous guy, just an absolutely, uh, absolutely great guy. Um, he had a very interesting career and the fact is, you know, he was drafted number one overall. So the expectations were through the roof. And he didn't meet those expectations early on in his career, but he finished out a very, very good quarterback, someone who A, could mentor younger quarterbacks, but B, uh, win games. And I, and I know I've heard that, that you know quarterback wins is not a stat, but I think this one is deserving. And John Middlecoff tweeted something out earlier today, uh, and when I read it, I, it just showed the kind of career that Alex Smith deserved. And he tweeted out, he said, from the time that Harbaugh showed up in San Francisco until he retired today, Alex Smith teams went 80, 36 and one with him as the starting quarterback. That's a great that's a stat. Ve- that's a very, very impressive number. Congratulations, Alex Smith. You will forever be a 49er and man, I hope he finds peace. I hope he finds enjoyment uh, in whatever he chooses to do uh, post-playing career. I think he would be um, a great coach. I think I was just about to uh, say, I think he'd be an amazing head coach somewhere. But I think what he would be even better at is being a motivational speaker um, for, for everything that he had to overcome. He's got a tremendous story. Uh, I think everybody would want to hear it. Uh, Lord knows I would, I'd be in the front row 
uh, listening to him talk about his life and what he overcame. So uh, Godspeed, Alex Smith. I hope you have a fantastic uh, post-football life. Absolutely. And then uh, today it was announced that uh, former 49er tight end, again, just last season, 2020, Jordan Reed has announced his retirement from football. He took, I think, believe it was two years off. I know it was at least one year off uh, due to concussions. He came back, and I know you and I were really high on on what this team could look like with Jordan Reed and George Kittle as tight end one and tight end two, what uh, 22 or 12 uh, personnel would look like, basically what, what the offense would look like with both Kittle and Reed on the field at the same time. And honestly, it feels like we were kind of robbed of that in 2020. Uh, Kittle went down with an injury in the first game, and then Reed went down with an injury after game three, I believe, or four. And then it was it was rare that they were on the field at the same time. Uh, Reed had a, a, a decent season with the 49ers, but due to lingering concussion concerns, doctors told him it was probably best that, uh, that he retire from the NFL and he is listening to them. And, and honestly... You know, I know that you can speak to this much better than I can because you, uh, you, your football career ended because of concussions. Uh, but it, obviously, that's the right decision for him and his long-term health and future. And again, just like Alex Smith, we wish nothing but the best for Jordan Reed. Yeah, it only takes one year, right, to to work your way into the hearts of the 49er faithful. And Jordan Reed definitely did that. He was, you know. We did not get to see his talent or his potential reached um, based upon the injuries and then what the 49ers put out on, you know, in their lineup due to just the craziness that happened in 2020. And he didn't have the best uh, of quarterbacks throwing him the football all year. There was no consistency. He didn't have the ability to make uh, a rapport and build that timing with anyone. Uh, it was just a carousel of of quarterbacks. But I can tell you um, there is nothing there was nothing harder in my life uh, at the time when I sat down and got the news uh, from doctors that I should not play football again if I want to have a a fulfilling and successful life. and And that was a real easy choice for me, uh, even twenty years later gosh when i say it like that it's been a lifetime ago at least half a lifetime ago um but it was a real it sent me into a real de- you know depressed state if you will it was it was very hard it was one of the darkest times of my life because i had to figure out what i was going to do after football and when you are a college kid and you think your whole life revolves around the game um it's just it's a challenge and to figure out where to go next. Jordan Reed, he's had a I think it's been seven seasons playing. Uh, I believe so, yeah. Very very successful tight end. Unfortunately, due to injuries and and especially the head injuries, we did not get to see his full potential reached. But he was definitely a bright spot in the NFL when he did get to play. So, um, you know, all the best wishes to you, Jordan Reed. I think. Um, you know, you, you, you definitely won't be forgotten. That's for sure. Uh, he's, he was a player that had a ton of potential and, and that leap he made in week three, was it over, was it against the giants? 
Yeah, week yeah, week two was the Jets, the the horror show that was the game against the Jets where Bosa and Thomas went down. And then week three was on that same field against the Giants. Yeah. That leap that he made was phenomenal. And they they kind of photoshopped the the Air Jordan style of him leaping into the end zone. And that's one of my favorite uh images of him. And I think <laughs> That's one thing that I'll always remember when I hear uh, Jordan Reed. Uh, I'll think of him in the 49er uniform doing that. So uh, Godspeed to you as well, sir. Uh, happy post-football career. Uh, I hope you can remember everything. The Titans. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the the last thing that we wanted to go over before uh, we got into draft needs and then our mock draft was uh, the it has been reported that the 49ers – I, I guess at some point this week, there wasn't really any definitive information, but they will be hosting uh, defensive end Arden Key, who was just recently cut by the Las Vegas Raiders, and then also former Giants running back Wayne Gallman and former Raven safety and multiple other teams. I believe the, the Cardinals being one. Uh, Tony Jefferson, they're also going to host him. So they are still... Uh, you know, entertaining uh, free agents. Uh, they do have a fair amount of room under the cap still, even with Jimmy Garoppolo on the team. And uh, we're going to get into uh, draft needs here in a second. Uh, but before we transition to that, I will say uh, I was actually pretty hyped that uh, they are bringing in Arden Key. Uh, he hasn't been uh, productive for the Las Vegas Raiders at all. Um, you know, he was uh, in the 2000, I believe it was a 2018 draft or 2019, 2019 draft. He was uh, initially going into the draft, like at the beginning of the draft process, a first, second round talent, a lot of people mocking him in the first or second round. He ended up dropping to the third round and for whatever reason, never really showed out uh, for the Raiders. Honestly, though, I, I do think that the 49ers need edge depth. And one of the ways that I thought they would address that is in the draft. But if they do sign Arden Key, I think that would be a very frugal way to address that depth need with somebody that had first round talent that's just been a disappointment in another organization. Bring him in, get him in with Chris Kasurik, get him in that wide nine format. Bring him in and say, "Look, all we want you to do is is rush the passer. That's all you're going to do. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be a situational pass rusher." And I think as long as he's a part of an already talented line and and isn't being relied upon to be a, a not a superstar, but but a, you know, one of your your key pieces on the line, if he's just going to be a rotational piece that gets to focus simply on rushing the passer, I think that would be a great signing. And so, honestly it's my hope that they bring him in and that they sign him because it, it, it gives them a little bit more flexibility in the draft moving forward. And then as far as Gallman and Jefferson go, it, it is what it is. I think they would be camp bodies more than anything. Um, but yeah, that's uh, those are the free agents that they're looking at right now. Uh, our friend, a B chap, a longtime listener. We appreciate you. Uh, we, we sent a call out for uh, mailbag questions and so this will be our one mailbag question. So you've got mail. 
he asked basically, are there any uh, free agents that the 49ers could be looking at still? And, you know, where, where do we think they go in the second and third round of the draft? We will get into that second half of that question in a little bit. But one of the things that, that you and I were talking about before we started recording is, is uh, Grant Cohn tweeted earlier tonight that the 49ers are one Jason Verrett injury away from having a pretty terrible secondary. And while you did not appreciate the negativity of said tweet, which is basically Grant Cohn's game negativity, he's not wrong. The The depth in the secondary is alarmingly bad. And that is the area in the draft that I think they need to address with the most draft capital, both in terms of value in a higher round and then also number of picks. And so we, we looked at whether or not they could address some of that depth issue with free agents. And how did you feel about the free agents (laughs) that are available? Well, it's, it's, they're not great. And the majority of them uh, are over the good side of 30. Um, so most likely, if you were going to sign any free agent at the cornerback position, it would be for a one-year deal. Um, and again, you know, there is Richard Sherman still sitting out there. He is. I, he is sitting out there still. But I, I don't think he he would want to sign with the intent of not being the starter. And I think at this point... Richard Sherman would not be a starter um, against Mosley or Verrett. I just don't think he has the legs. I think he's been exposed too much in regards to the speed and 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 covering deeper routes. But you can't, you know, you can't sleep on the fact that you know Uncle Sherm is probably the most intelligent defensive player in the NFL at the moment. The fact that he understands the scheme that he is a great leader and a great person. Like I am, I'm team Sherm. And if he would be willing to play his part on the roster, then bring him back for the right price. If he wants to start and that's the only way he's going to come back, you know, I, I think he will find better, better success at another location. As far as the other uh, cornerbacks available on Brian, why don't you tell him, uh, who who's there? Well, there was basically three that we found that would be potential value signings. One is Brian Poole, uh, who is 28 years old. Uh, according to Walter, excuse me, according to WalterFootball.com, he is their seventh ranked free agent cornerback. He was basically a slot. He is basically a slot only cornerback. Uh, he played for the Jets last year. And the 49ers do have K1. He is here on a one-year deal. And but but the depth behind K1 is basically Emmanuel Mosley, who is the other starting outside corner. So uh, a depth piece there, you know, if Poole is willing to come in and like you said, just like Sherm, be be part of part of a, a what amounts to a rotation, um, you know, that could be a, a value signing. Uh, Casey Hayward, who has been an all pro in his career, uh, he is coming off his age 31 season. He'll actually turn 32 in September. He's also coming off the worst season of his career in San Diego, but but he's been an elite cornerback for 
for many years now. And, and, and unlike Sherman, it doesn't necessarily look like his legs have kind of betrayed him. And so again, another value signing. And then there's also Steven Nelson, who is a cornerback for the Steelers, uh, 28 years old, a quality starting cornerback, but he was a victim of, or basically a cap casualty for the, for the Steelers. So in terms of free agent corners, you know, those are the, those are the three that are, that are still out there that I think would be worth uh, investing in. And then at edge, like we said, Arden key is out there outside of those two positions, which are positions of need for the 49ers. I don't see them necessarily addressing any other position in free agency, even though, like I said, they are hosting, Running back Wayne Gallman and strong safety Tony Jefferson. They they will acquire camp bodies. Like let's, but those are camp bodies, and they need to they need to fill certain roster spots for that purpose. As far as what we are going to see uh, on the field next year in twenty twenty one, I I don't think that we're going to see any tremendous uh, free agent signings moving forward. But we are going to see some talent picked up in the draft and that's what's coming up. Absolutely. So uh, let's move on to the 49ers biggest draft needs. Uh, this is uh, I put out an article last week on the web zone about what I felt like were, were the biggest draft needs for the 49ers going in. And, and I still believe this. I still believe the 49ers hit an absolute home run this off season in terms of the, the players that they brought back and the players that they signed again, not a ton of, of, Outside free agents, they brought in Samson Ebukam. They brought in Alex Mack. Those were basically the two big outside signings. And then they brought back a bunch of their own players, some on multi-year deals, some on one-year deals. I still stand by the fact that I think they hit a home run, but that doesn't mean that they don't have they don't still have needs. Now, a few weeks ago, I said they did so well that they can essentially draft best player available in every round uh, because they've got all 22 starters accounted for uh, when it comes to the 2021 season. But ultimately I, I reflected on that and I thought to myself, you know what? That's actually, I don't think true because I think there are really kind of four, four glaring needs that the 49ers have uh, going into the draft. I'm going to name them off. You tell me if you agree or you disagree. So I think personally, the biggest need they have going into the draft is at cornerback. And and we kind of touched on that a little bit. Here are the current players on the roster. Jason Verrett, Emmanuel Mosley, Kwan Williams. Those are your three starters. And those are three great starters. But here's the other thing. Jason Verrett played his first healthy full season for just the second time in his career last season. And then Emmanuel Mosley and Kwan Williams both missed time last year due to injuries. So your three top cornerbacks are injury prone. And behind them, currently, you have Ken Webster, Dante Johnson, or as my phone likes to call him, Donate Johnson, <laughs> Tim Harris Jr., who I, I, I couldn't pick out Tim Harris Jr. in a lineup, even though he's been on the team for three years now. Uh, Mark Fields, the second Brian spelled B R I E A N. Never seen it spelled that way before. Obviously spelled incorrectly. Uh, Brian body Calhoun and Adonis Alexander. So 
Jason Verrett, Emmanuel Mosley, Kwan Williams. Most of you probably recognize Ken Webster and Dante Johnson. Some of you may recognize Tim Harris Jr. And then nobody recognizes the other three. So, like I said, Grant Cohn is not wrong when he says the 49ers are one Jason Verrett injury away from having a pretty bad secondary. So, ultimately, this is the position in the draft that I think they need to hit and hit hard. What do you think? Well, yeah, you are right. And Grant Cohn is, has a sliver of, like he's, the things he puts out are never that far off from being, from having some form of a very intelligent, you know, just, I don't want to say anything nice about him. So I'm just going to move on. Anywho, um, the truth is, (laughs) I know, I know it's so hard for me. I want to like him so much, but. I'm, I'm like I said earlier, I'm all about, I want to put positivity out there and I want positivity back. I don't like this collective consciousness think, of negativity, which will drag down the rest of the team. I think you, Sorry. I think you like Grant Cohn. I don't think you like Twitter Grant Cohn. And I think there's fair a enough. difference. That's a fair point. That's a fair, fair point. Um, no, Jason Verrett, when he plays, he's an elite cornerback. There's no doubt about that. No doubt. But you, but what you said earlier, his track record doesn't speak very highly of him being able to play all 17 games this year. I'm going to have to get used to saying that. Um, hey, bro. Across, hey, don't you bro, mean 20 games? 17 regular season <laughs> games. Yes, and we're going to skip the first round because we will be the one seed. That's right. Yeah, okay. I got That's what right. I, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Thank you. But across the field, Emmanuel Mosley. He had 2019 was a great year for him. 2020 was not. It was not a great year. So I don't know which which Mosley we're going to get. My hope is that he falls back kind of into that 2019 form. K1, obviously, he, he's been hurt more often than not recently. So yeah, we do run the risk. And that is scary. Uh, if the 49ers do not address cornerback in the draft, they are staring at a couple of one-year deals and there is going to be problems in the secondary if they don't find the next the heir apparent for these guys coming up so that 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 is one huge glaring yeah. issue it's it's a multifaceted issue right it's you need depth for this year because you've got injury prone guys that are that that you have penciled in to start you need future players for the position because two of those three guys are only on one year deals. And then also you you just need, you just need depth in general because there's just bodies on the roster. No, like not, not players that you think are going to turn into something. Ken Webster is basically a special teams player. And then Tim Harris jr. Is a guy they drafted in the sixth round. Like I said, those other three guys, one of them doesn't even know how to spell Brian. Like what how are how are we going to rely on that guy to can't, you know to, can't. <laughs> to can't. make it. So cut him. So cut yeah, him. yeah. Uh yeah, I can't look at that name all season. So I'm going to need them to <laughs> I'm going to need them to 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 move on from him. Um so, you know, and obviously any time that we talk about needs in the draft, what we're talking about is needs that they will address in the second through seventh rounds, right? Because in the first round, we know they're going quarterback. 
Um, and so I in I personally think that their second round pick needs to be a corner. I think their third or fourth round pick needs to be a corner. And then honestly, probably one of their fifth round picks as well. I think if they could get three guys in this draft, possibly two outside guys and a, and a, and a guy that could back up in the slot um, or something along those lines, I think they need at least two. Uh, they can't, they can't come away with less than two corners in this draft. And to me, that's the, that's the biggest need. The next biggest need uh, in my opinion is, is on the interior offensive line. And the reason I say that is because we saw what happened to the offensive line in 2020 when there was not a reliable center and and, and the entire line fell apart, even though they had Trent Williams at left tackle. So they sign Alex Mack, but Alex Mack is, is 36 years old. He's likely to play one, maybe two seasons for the team. Right, they signed him to a three-year deal. Really, that was just for cap purposes. It's mainly a one-year deal. There is, you know, it could be a two-year deal. So, I think because of because of the value of the center position within the Kyle Shanahan offense, I think it's imperative that they get somebody in to learn under Alex Mack, possibly move in at right guard and start at right guard over Daniel Brunskill. If he can beat, if he can beat Brunskill out and then, uh, you know, move over to center and, and be the center of the future. I think that's an important, important position to come away with in the draft, but I had it listed second. I, you could convince me that it's not necessarily the second, uh, but, but that's a, that's a, another position where I think a third, a fourth, or a fifth round pick is, is, is going to be necessary uh, in order to just have, you know, depth in on the interior offensive line. Yeah. You, you can't speak, uh, you know, highly enough of the fact of, of you need not only depth on the offensive line, but you need the interior line to, to have people that can rotate, play different positions and just the, the need for the center position to be the anchor, to be the smartest person on offense um, outside of the quarterback position is is probably, you know, it's what sets good offensive lines apart. So Alex Mack is a great addition, but we have to find, the 49ers have to find more on the interior part of that line. And then the last two that I had listed were wide receiver. Even though currently on the roster, there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 wide receivers of all those wide receivers, not a single one of them is a reliable slot option. I think Kyle Shanahan has been looking for that in his offense since he came here in 2017. We thought we had it with Trent Taylor. Uh, unfortunately, Trent Taylor did not work out. We thought we had it with Jalen Hurd. Unfortunately, we haven't seen really Jalen Hurd since that preseason game against the Cowboys. And so I think somewhere in this draft, which is really actually pretty deep at the wide receiver position, but specifically kind of that slot wide receiver position. I think they need to come away with uh, at least one wide receiver to push the competition at slot. And then finally uh, edge. I think they need some edge depth. They want edge depth. Um, but like I said, if, if, if they could 
sign Arden Key, which is somebody that they that wasn't available before. I, I believe I, I believe he was cut on Monday. If not, he was cut like last Friday. So it's still a fresh move. If they could bring him in, then like I said, they could use some draft capital and maybe even some valuable draft capital to address other positions as opposed to edge. Yeah. Uh, edge depth is, is so important. Um, there's no doubt that that's something that the 49ers need to address, uh, even though they've done a great job of it so far. Uh, but I'm going to slightly disagree with you. I'm holding out hope uh, about the receiver position and that Jalen Hurd, will, we will finally get to see. Um, I, I believe people have called him the cyborg. Is that... Is that the accurate um, nickname for I, him? He is I'm not a sure. freak of nature. He is a freak. He, his his size, his speed, uh, his athleticism. If if the 49ers can find a way to get him on the field this year, their offense will look incredibly different. And I don't think that they will be there will be a slot receiver like him. So I am holding out hope. I'm putting out positivity that he will be on the field in 2021 for the 49ers. No doubt, I would I would love uh, for Jalen Hurd, but at this point, basically, you just can't rely on it. So, if Jalen Hurd comes back and he balls out, that's found money. Just like if D Ford comes back and balls out, that's found money. You just can't rely on it. So you have to, in my opinion, you have to prepare as if they won't be available, and if they are, hey, super bonus, right? Super bonus. So. Uh, before we move on to our seven-round mock draft, let's go ahead and hear from our sponsor, El Jefe Tequila. Tim, did you hear the big news? Yeah, the Niners are going all in on this year's draft. They traded multiple first-rounders to get up to number three. Clearly, hashtag Kyle has his eye on a QB of his choosing. Do you know what I wouldn't trade? El Jefe Tequila. You know that's right. We have our eye on El Jefe, and it's our first pick for sure. No doubt. El Jefe is a centerpiece to building your liquor cabinet, just like the new El Jefe of the Niner Hub. Let's toast to a new generation in San Francisco with the new generation of luxury craft tequila, El Jefe. To purchase your very own bottle of El Jefe tequila, visit www.eljefetequila.com. That's www.eljefetequila.com. The pick is in, and the Denim Dungeon selects El Jefe, Luxury Craft Tequila, from Carmel, California. All right, so for our seven-round mock draft, we are going to be using the Pro Football Network Mock Draft Simulator. Uh, this happens to be my favorite just because the simulator for Pro Football Focus tends to throw a lot of curveballs out there. Uh, I've done a few where like Trevor Lawrence was available at three and things like that. So Pro Football Network seems to be a little bit more, in my opinion, realistic. And not only that, but Pro Football Focus uses their own proprietary, not proprietary, but th they use their own rankings based on their evaluations. And so that can oftentimes be very off from what amounts to the public big board, or at least like the majority of, of analysts and whatnot. And so we are using pro football network mock draft and we will not be doing any trades. And so 
at pick three. Oh uh, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I know it's, I know that's your favorite thing to do. Um, but uh, at pick three, uh, this one is easy for me. Uh, the pick is in. It is Justin Fields. Uh, I just at this point, um, it it just it just makes too much sense that it's Justin Fields. Justin Fields is the most accurate passer in this class, despite what some people may say that Mac Jones had the most uh, accurate season in NCAA history. Uh, Mac Jones only played one season. Justin Fields has played two. Uh, he is the most accurate as, as charted by a number of different uh, analysts, the most accurate quarterback in the draft. He's arguably the most athletic, you know, him and Trey Lance, I think are, are, are pretty equal in that regard. Uh, he's incredibly intelligent. He received scholarship offers from both Harvard and Yale, and he's just a super tough uh, gritty player. You know, he, he broke ribs against Clemson in the national semifinal game, missed one play, came back immediately threw a nine yard touchdown, and then promptly threw five more in the game for a total of six and, and came back and played against Alabama two weeks later as well. So I, I don't think we need to overthink this one. Uh, it's simple for me, Justin Fields, quarterback, Ohio state. Absolutely. Justin Fields is the selection. I have I have zero idea why when you look at everything that he possesses from his athleticism to his accuracy to his desire to play to his intelligence um Justin Fields is the guy. He's he's in my opinion and and, and many others he's more athletic than than Trey Lance. And if you if you're telling me that Trey Lance has a bigger arm than Justin Fields, did you? I mean, did you watch the clips on the pro day? Because Justin Fields threw the ball further than Trey Lance when they both were rolling out left um, and came across, you know, and threw the threw the deep ball to their to their you know receivers going down the field. I think Trey Lance was at 58 yards, and Justin Fields was somewhere around 64. Yeah. Um, when you get up over 60 yards anyway, it doesn't really matter. Those are cannon arms because that isn't just the distance they can throw the football. You have to account that they're throwing it at an angle as well. So the ball technically is in the air longer than just the yardage it covers down the field. Um, the most accurate passer is Justin Fields at all three levels. He's accurate under center. He's accurate um, against the rush. Justin Fields is the guy. Let's don't overthink this. Let's move forward with the franchise, reset the salary cap, and and win a Super Bowl or two with Justin Fields because or six. That would be nice. But it <laughs> it's it's all right there. If 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 Shanahan or Lynch overthinks this, if there really was a leak and Mac Jones is their choice, I don't get it. I, I really don't understand how they could they could fumble probably the, the the biggest golden opportunity that the 49ers have uh Justin Fields at 3. Yeah, the the Mac Jones hype has never made sense to me. Uh I put out an article today called the 49ers aren't drafting Mac Jones. I feel like I, I laid out a pretty solid case in terms of the clues. A lot of it had to do with quotes that Kyle Shanahan uh, has made over the course of his 49ers tenure about the way that he evaluates quarterbacks. And you often hear 
Basically, I'm looking for the biggest, strongest, fastest, and best quarterback, and that's not Mac Jones. Uh, John Beck is a, a private quarterback tutor, also a close friend of Kyle Shanahan. He has been working with Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance during the offseason. He has not worked with Mac Jones. And then the timing of the trade up to three was three days before Justin Fields' first pro day. Uh, Mac Jones had already had his pro day. And in my opinion, they made that trade because they knew that Justin Fields was going to ball out at his pro day and the price for the number three pick was going to go up. And then last, but certainly not least, the 49ers don't leak. They just don't. You look at all of the big moves that they've made uh, since, uh, basically since signing John Lynch as GM, right? I I was writing that article today, and I remember sitting at the table at your old house, that white kitchen table, and <laughs> the information came out, and we both looked at each other. We're like, what? John Lynch is the GM? Like we were flabbergasted and dumbfounded. And and that none of that no one knew no one had any inkling, and then you just look at all the other big moves that they've made, and and the only time that we've known about them is when they happened, and so for all of a sudden for for a front office that doesn't let anything out to then three weeks three and a half weeks four weeks before the draft it be known that that they're going to take Mac Jones, that just doesn't smell right to me. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Justin Fields is a pick. And so now we move on to round two, uh, pick number 43 overall. And for me, uh, this is uh, where the first cornerback is going to come off the board. In this draft, in this mock draft, uh, there are four cornerbacks that I am looking at, I guess five if if – really five and it's Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell, both from the university of Georgia, Asante Samuel jr. From Florida state, Aaron Robinson from university of central Florida, Florida, and Elijah Molden uh, from Washington. I, I have, I've been a big Elijah Molden fan uh, since this draft process started. It's hard for me to pass him up. Ultimately, I think he is a slot only in in the NFL, but he's a hell of a tackler. Uh, he played safety, but he also covered receivers in the slot at the University of Washington. Uh, he has the tenacity to be, uh, you know, a, a beast in the slot. Uh, he's a great blitzer. Uh, he's solid against the run, and and it's hard for me to to not go with him. But ultimately, I think the value here is more in the outside guys. And so for me, that's between Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell. And I'm going to go with Eric Stokes, the six foot cornerback from Georgia who runs a 4-2-9-40. So I, I mean, that's the pick for me as well, Eric Stokes. And it was uh, between him or Asante Samuel Jr. for me. But, um, what you mentioned with with Eric Stokes is that he's six one, listed on uh, on SI dot com, six one one hundred ninety six pounds, and he ran a four point two five forty inch or forty yard dash with a forty one and a half inch vertical. Unreal. Those those to me seem like first round numbers. If he is there, um, I, I don't see a reason why the 49ers would not take Eric Stokes in the second round. There you go, B-Chap. We both agree 
Eric Stokes. Yeah, and and for everything that I've read, I I do think that the likelihood that he or Tyson Campbell, his teammate from Georgia, are there at forty three is is relatively high. Um, but there's also, like I said, Elijah Molden, Asante Samuel Jr. I think there's a sweet spot there at 43 where they're going to be able to have the pick of guys that they want. I've also heard Kelvin Joseph out of Kentucky. I think he has some maturity concerns, so I don't know if they would be in on him, uh, you know, in, in that locker room and, and with the culture that they've built there. But ultimately I'm, 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 I would be shocked if they didn't go corner in the second round. But if they didn't go corner in the second round, I assume that the pick would be edge, but we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So let's move on to pick one Oh two, which is the compensatory third round pick that they have this year uh, for Robert Sala signing with the jets and well, as I say, and Martin Mayhew uh, signing as GM with Washington football team, that's actually the the pick that they traded next year to move up to three. Uh, but at pick 102, for me, again, it's it, it's based on how the board has fallen. I, I said it before. I think a, a center is uh, high on their priority list. Uh, and as it stands right now on the board, uh, the true, the, basically the, the true centers and the two that I think that the 49ers will – uh, covet and 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 possibly go after in the draft are Drew Dahlman, the center from Stanford, and Drake Jackson, the center from Kentucky. Uh, I just don't know if the value is there in three. Uh, with again the cornerback depth, uh, wide receiver uh, needs in the in the slot, and um, possible edge. But the other thing is they might be looking for for uh, a replacement for Jordan Reed, a running mate for George Kittle, if you will. And in this draft, uh, the way that the board has fallen, the the tight end that I would want at 102, Tommy Tremble, is not on the board. And he was so, taken at 101. Yeah, he was taken he was, the pick before by the Chargers in yeah. this draft. Um, Come on! Uh, and so I'm going to go back to uh, cornerback, and one of the guys that intrigues me most at the position is still on the board. That's Paulson Adebo, the cornerback from Stanford. Uh, he is uh, a long uh, corner. He is, I believe, 6'3", uh, and uh, plays with uh, good leverage. Uh, he uses his size to his to his advantage. Um, and so again, with, with cornerback depth being the, the biggest need, I'm going to go with Paulson Adebo cornerback Stanford. Mm. That is a great pick. Um, going back to back corners in rounds two and three. Um, that is, I, I gotta be honest, that is, that's bold. Uh, and it's definitely focusing on a position where, um, that the 49ers front office obviously feels like it is a necessity if they were to do that. Um, going out and getting two and three uh, in the cornerback position is, is, is a bold move. And uh, so with what's left on the board, um, I mean, obviously I would have, I would have wanted tremble here uh, as my, as my pick at one Oh two, but kind of as the, the points you touched on earlier, um, you know, 
it could go either way. I, they could go cornerback or they could go offensive center. My pick would be um, uh, Drew Dahlman, uh, the center from Stanford. He would be the guy at 102. But either way, uh, I think I think the Niners are going to have somebody uh, who will who will contribute positively uh, in that third round pick. Nice. I can't argue with that pick either. Um, I think Dahlman is going to be a tremendous uh, center in that zone scheme. He's good in space, really athletic for the position, and he went to Stanford, so he's obviously a smart dude as well, which is one of the prerequisites for playing center in in Kyle Shanahan's offense. So let's move on to round four, uh, pick 117. So you went center last round, I went corner. Uh, And so for me, this is where I think this is the sweet spot for the wide receiver uh, position. Uh, there are Agreed. a handful. Uh, I think there are a handful of guys on the board that, that I like a lot. Uh, Jalen Darden out of North Texas, Demetric Felton out of UCLA, Shai Smith out of South Carolina. All three of those guys are smaller slot guys that are also, that can also return kicks. Um, of those three, I think, uh, Darden is, is probably the most athletic, um, he's just a, a little bit short, you know, he's a smaller guy, uh, smaller size, uh, Demetric Felton, the same thing. Demetric Felton reminds me a little bit of, um, Debo Samuel in, in that I think he has some running back like skills at the wide receiver position in terms of field vision and things of that nature. And then shy Smith, who was actually a teammate of Debo Samuel at South Carolina, uh, but of those three, I think Jalen Darden gives you the most bang for your buck. He's basically a little jitterbug out of the slot. And like I said, he can return kicks as well. So I'm going to go with Jalen Darden, wide receiver, North Texas. I mean, that's a solid pick. Um, you know, he runs, I believe, a, a 40 in the four fours. He's very quick and shifty. And I like that out of a slot guy. Um but one of the other ones that I was looking at is Marquez Stevenson. Uh, he also runs a four four five forty, and he's out of Houston. Um, his he averaged fifteen point four yards per catch, uh, which I think is pretty impressive. It's it's one of those situations where, out of these guys, uh, I don't think that you're going to find anyone that stands out um, an incredibly amount more than the rest at this point in the draft. I think it's going to fall upon what offense do they get into, uh, what quarterback do they have throwing throwing them the ball, and are they able to, to be a productive uh, receiver. And one thing that we do know is that, that Shanahan can scheme guys open. There's no question about that, and that if any of the receivers were selected uh, in this spot, they are not going to be asked to be a number one. They're not going to be asked to be a number two. And if Jalen Hurd is back, they're not even going to be asked to be a number three. Um, This, you know, with George Kittle on the field as well, this is a player who would need to specialize in, um, you know, making the most out of the limited opportunities that he does have and then being able to return kicks when asked upon. Because as much as I love him, River Craycraft is not the most dynamic punt or kick returner that the 49ers have. So either one's fine with me. Uh, Brian, why don't you go ahead and make your selection 
uh, because I'm fine with either one of those picks. All right. So we'll go Jalen Darden, wide receiver out of North Texas. And now we're going to move on to the fifth round where the 49ers have three selections. I really think that the three selections in the fifth round are going is the ammunition that the 49ers are going to use to trade up at one point. Uh, I don't know if that is a trade up into the back into the second round, higher in the third round, uh, you know, probably not higher in the fourth round because they're pretty high. Uh, but I, I, I don't think I, I don't think they're going to use all three of their fifth round picks to select three players. But we are tonight because we're not doing any trades. And so I've gone Justin Fields, Eric Stokes, Paulson Adebo, and Jalen Darden. You've gone uh you've gone Justin Fields, Eric Stokes, Drew Dahlman, and Jalen Darden or Marquez Stevenson. Uh so for me, um I haven't addressed the center position and Drake Jackson, the center from Kentucky is still on the board. And so with the first pick in the fifth round at 155, not the first overall pick, the 49ers first pick at 155, I'm going to go Drake Jackson center from Kentucky. That's a good pick. Um, especially if he's there at that point, uh, at this point, I'm thinking this is where potentially, uh, I would address the second cornerback position and taking a look at who's left on the board uh forgive me um brian's controlling our our draft board and we're sharing a screen so there is a slight delay when i don't have the ability um so on the board right now at the cornerback position is uh shakur shakur brown uh and uh mcpherson um from texas tech and then benjamin saint juiced I said that right correctly from Minnesota. You did. Say nailed it. And that is the guy that I would select as my second cornerback. Um, you know, friend of the pod. Um, I believe he was on a uh, Javi's show. Correct. Didn't they get him on their podcast? I believe they did. I'm not a hundred percent positive, but I believe they did. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I remember listening to that to that episode, and it was it was just well done, and I I like the guy, um, you know he has a lot of good measurables, and I think that he would be able to fit fit in well uh, with the San Francisco 49ers. So that that's the position that I would take. I have done, I at this point I don't know how many mock drafts I've done. I think in every single one I've had Benjamin St. Juice. He's been one of the guys that I've just kind of been on for a while now. I think he fits at least the, the, the prototypical size that they used to look for in the position. Uh, again, that, that Seattle cover three big press corners on the outside or, or at the very least big zone corners on the outside. St. Juice, St. <clears throat> Juice is six, three runs a four, five forty, So he's not a burner, but, uh, enough speed to, 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 succeed at the position. And the thing that I think is cool about St. Just is, is he's from Canada. Uh, he initially played at Michigan and then transferred to Minnesota, but he grew up playing hockey. And so he was late to, to football. And so I think whatever team drafts him and, and I, I definitely think he could, he could find his way to, to San Francisco, especially in the later rounds. Uh, they'll just have to coach him up a bit because uh, he's still a little bit raw, but the physical tools are, 
out of this world. And so, you know, really you're kind of just drafting a, a ball of clay and hoping that you can mold it into a, a decent, you know, outside corner. He really his measurables remind me a lot of Akilo Witherspoon and, and what they liked about Witherspoon. And I think he plays with a little bit more confidence and swagger than, than Witherspoon did, which means that, you know, he could end up being uh, a little bit, better than than spoon was for the for the 49ers but now we move on to the second fifth round pick that the 49ers have this is pick 172 we've addressed the cornerback position we've addressed the slot wide receiver position uh we have addressed the center position uh the only other uh need that the 49ers have again not knowing if they sign arden key or not is at the edge position and with this pick uh i'm just gonna go uh, well you know what actually let me let me look at the offensive tackles that are still on the board there we go that's actually what i'm gonna do uh tommy doyle offensive tackle out of miami of ohio he is uh, a very athletic and tall offensive tackle reminds me a lot of mike mcglinchy which I, I don't say disparagingly uh, because I, I, I do like McGlinchey. Um, I think I think he's going to have a bounce back year this year now that they have the center position solidified is the word I was looking for. Uh, but I do think that their swing tackles or the backup tackle right now are uh, Sean Coleman, who opted out of the 2020 season, and Justin School, who opted out of playing good football this past season. And so... I think that they can look to upgrade that uh, swing tackle position. And so I'm going to go with Tommy Doyle, the tackle out of Miami of Ohio. That's a great pick. Um, I'm shocked that he's still available at that point. The only other position I was, I was looking at might be like you mentioned edge, but also safety uh, just to see who's on the board at the safety position. Um, Damar Hamlin, uh, Joshua Bledsoe, Tariq Thompson. Th- those are those are you know potential picks uh, at that spot, but but with seeing who who is left on the board at tackle, um, he, he's a project, and he definitely need to put on some weight. But you are right at that tackle position. Um, I think that's one you just can't pass up, right? Tommy Doyle, my, my, Miami of Ohio. Let's do it. All right. Now, one more fifth round pick coming up. And, you know, like I said, I don't think that they're going to pick. I don't think they're going to have all three picks in the fifth round. I think they're going to use some of it as ammunition to move up. But as it stands right now, as the board has fallen, uh, there is a player on there. Uh, I know we already addressed the wide receiver position, and it seems that they have a glut of receivers, but I also don't think that you can have enough competition at the at the position. And so I'm going to go back to the University of Tennessee where they got Jalen Hurd, and I'm going to go with... And Juwan Jennings. And Juwan Jennings. Thank you. Forgot about Juwan Jennings. And so they're going to get their third uh, wide receiver from the University of Tennessee. And I'm going to go with Josh Palmer. Mm. Okay. Um, for me, this is the receiver position with having Jennings, with having heard, with having already addressed a receiver in the draft. This is where the defense for me would definitely go uh, edge and and the top uh, edge choice on the board. 
At this point, you can either look at, at Chauncey uh, Golston out of Iowa or, or Janarius Robinson. I'm not as familiar with, uh, with either of those guys, but those are the top two guys on the board. Brian, are you familiar with either of those two guys? Yeah, so Janarius Robinson, uh, who's on the board still, and, and his running mate at Florida State, Joshua Kando, they're both really athletic uh defensive ends uh Janarius Robinson's a tall guy a bit of a thin build uh both of them have the tools but neither one of them have the production and so i think uh, but i also think that at this point in the draft if if you notice if if they have the athletic traits that you're looking for and and they didn't necessarily have the production in in college you you bet on the tools and you bet on your coaching staff to coach them up enough to unlock those tools and so uh between J- chauncey golston and janarius robinson uh, i would arguably go with with robinson who could you know be uh again a a, a backup at that speed rusher position which right now is d ford and samson ebicom agreed um but you know what? Either one, either one works. All right. So we have two picks left. They're picking round six and they're pick in round seven. And so we've addressed basically all the needs that, that, that we feel the 49ers have. And so at this point, I, I like to go basically best player available. They still haven't addressed. N- neither one of us have addressed the uh, tight end position. I just don't think that there is anybody that is worthy of uh of a pick uh at this point you know i i, I think they're gonna have to go either undrafted free agent or there may be some guys that that they have their eye on that that i don't necessarily think would be uh you know th- the best um one of my favorite guys uh in this draft uh is still on the board and so I think I'm going to go this route. Sedarius Hutcherson, who is a, a guard out of South Carolina, just an absolute freak show of an athlete. He's not necessarily quick, uh, but he's fast. And so, uh, again, this is a, a situation where I'm going to bet on the athletic traits and hope that my coaching staff can coach him up and, and, and we can have somebody. Uh, Hutcherson is, is, is a mauler. Um, I, he can get to the next level cause he is athletic, which is important as a guard in, in Shanahan's outside zone. You got to get to the second level. You got to make those blocks. And I think that, that he has that capability. They didn't run an outside zone at, at South Carolina. Um, but he, he's just a, a massive human being who is just an incredible athlete. And so I'm going to bet on that. So I'm going to go Sedarius Hutcherson guard out of South Carolina. Solid pick. Um, let's not forget, like, I know we didn't address the tight end in the draft, but we have the local boy, Ross Dwelly. Yeah, we do. Um, you know, he will be able to fulfill uh, those needs. He's, you know, it's Dwelly time. And I think he he can have a much better year this year if he gets to see the uh, gets to see the playing time needed. Who Who is the best player on the board right now? That would be Sage Sherratt the wide receiver from Wake Forest. There's also Elijah Mitchell, the running back out of Louisiana. Robert Hainsey, who's a guard out of Notre Dame, could play uh, could play center. I actually listened to the athletic football show with Robert Mays, 
and earlier or or last week he had on Brandon Thorne, who is, in my opinion, one of the authorities on offensive line play, uh, runs a website called trenchwarfare.com, which how can you not like that name? And he mentioned Hainsey as, as one of the guys that, that could be drafted that could play either guard or center. Um, so there is that. And, you know, uh, Tariq Thompson is still on the board, the safety from San Diego state, who I know the 49ers have uh, met with in the pre-draft process. So that could be a route that they go there as well. If, I mean, and for me, um, looking at Tariq Thompson and seeing him still on the board, he's a six foot, 200 pound safety. He can most likely will be, you know, in that nickel, that third DB in the nickel position. Um, I could see him fitting in well, uh, but your Mahler uh, is probably the better pick of the two. Uh, but if you didn't go with yours, I'd go with Tariq Thompson. All right. Sounds good. So then let's move on to the seventh round. Uh, hold on. I got to make that pick. So he gets off the board and then we're going to go to the seventh round. The last pick that the 49ers have again, they have nine picks in this draft. I don't think they're going to, they're going to make nine selections. They don't have nine spots on the roster. So there is going to be some movement, especially if, if they've, you know, if they've, if they have a, a guy that they've, that they've targeted that's still on the board in the second, third, fourth round. I think they'll use some of these later round picks to move up to grab them. I don't think they're going to draft nine players total. But for this uh, for this exercise, we said that we weren't going to make any trades. And so with the second pick in the seventh round, pick number 230, the last pick that the 49ers will make in this, the Denim Dungeon mock draft, Treek Thompson is no longer on the board. I am going to go with another safety, though, who could they could try to transition to cornerback uh, because he is 6'4 and just an absolute, again, freak show when it comes to athleticism i feel like the the late later rounds in the draft you're you're betting on some of these guys that that may not have had the production but they have the measurables that's how you end up with guys like fred warner in the third round who you know wasn't a, a household name at byu uh wasn't necessarily uh you know a, a superstar uh but had those measurables and had those intangibles and so i'm going to go with uh israel uh mukwamu who is a who played corner at South Carolina, but because of his size at six four, a lot of a lot of teams won't necessarily look for him, look at him at corner because at six four you're not going to have the type of uh, loose hips that you need uh, to play that corner position. So I think a lot of them will 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 try him out at, at safety. But again, at, at this point, you know, take a shot in the dark and see if you can't play him at corner and, and, and see how he does or put him back at strong safety. And, and, and now all of a sudden you've got a dude that's six, four kind of man in that, uh, the back half of the field. So I'm going to go with Israel Mukwamu, the safety slash cornerback from South Carolina. Solid, solid pick. Let's take a look at who is the best overall on the board at this point. Um, waiting for our, our wonderful guy, Mr. Brian here to get that list up. Um, interesting. And, and for me, uh, one of the receivers, uh, Dax Milne, um, 
out of BYU. He's still there at 228. Zach Wilson's um, favorite target. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I really liked about when I was watching Zach Wilson film was uh, how aggressive the receivers were uh, to go up and get the football. They, a lot of times, it, they weren't always wide open. And whether it was Zach Wilson throwing them open or they had to make a contested catch, uh, there were times that they were being led out of bounds and they would have to drag their feet. Um, just some real, real impressive stuff out of the wide receiver position. And Dax is a guy that I think might be able to fit in pretty well uh, in Shanahan's system. Now, he's not a burner. Um, he's obviously one of those guys that is going to have to run the route correctly to get open. Um, but if if we didn't draft that second receiver uh, earlier in the draft, where at this point, this is where I might go with my second receiver. I know that our drafts have, have gone you know, a couple of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, we've been pretty, you know, uh, we've agreed. Step. Yeah. This is where for me, if, if, if he's on, if Dax is on the board, I'd probably go there with my seventh round pick, but I have no problem going to, uh, that safety position, uh, for what you picked. You know, you talked about Dax and how he wasn't a burner. You know who else wasn't a burner? Kendrick Bourne. And he still had a pretty nice little. Uh, role in the 49ers offense so uh, that that slot position if you have a burner that's great do you need a burner no I mean there are many ways to skin a cat if you will there are many different players that you can plug into that slot you can have a big slot you can have a small shifty slot you can have a Kendrick Bourne who's just a, a possession receiver that you know has a nose for first downs and touchdowns so uh, I think Dak's is going to carve out a role in, in an offense somewhere. And I could definitely see that being the 49ers offense if, if that's the route they go. So that is I mean, our, go ahead. Yeah. He's six, I mean, he's six foot, you know, he's, he's six feet tall. He's not the tallest guy. He's, he, you know, he runs a four, five, four, mm-hmm. 40. It, like we said, not a burner, but is also that in that four five range, that's enough. And if you can run routes correctly, if you're intelligent enough to to understand what you're seeing, because um, the receiver and the quarterback have to be on the same page, especially in Shanahan's scheme, where they have to recognize what's what they're running up against, and if he's able to get open, that you know you might find a diamond in the rough in the seventh round if he's there. So for me, that would you know it's one of those potentials. It's one of those might as well. Might as well give it a shot. Right, exactly, because that, that's what the back half of the draft is about. So that is our seven-round mock draft. We uh, we appreciate you guys hanging with us. We went a little long. It is, I think we're about an hour, hour 15, hour 20. Uh, next week, like I said, we will be doing a full first-round mock draft as we prepare for the NFL draft. Really, we're 30 minutes away from being Steve Young days away from from the NFL draft, as you said earlier. So I know I'm excited. I know you're excited. We still have to figure out what our uh, what our draft day uh, watching experience is going to be. But uh, I guarantee that we will watch it together. We will have draft analysis. But before that, like I said, next week, uh, we will we will have our first round 32 pick mock draft. Tim, anything you want to say before we cheese on out of here? No, I uh, I just want to say everyone be safe out there. I know that there has been 
some stuff happening in in the media. Um, but if you get a chance, go out and and try and be kind to somebody else. Uh, the world needs more of that happening right now. So uh, we appreciate you all. We love you all for listening. Thank you. Uh, and go out and be kind. That's, Absolutely. And that's and, my piece. And before you go out and be kind, be kind to us. Smash that subscribe button. Rate, review the podcast. Share it with a friend. We want to continue to grow this thing. And the only way we can do that is with the support that you guys are already providing us. Uh, but also getting more ears listening to this thing. So uh, please do that. Please subscribe. Please rate. Please review. And uh, please share. And we will be back next week with our first round mock draft. But until then, bang, bang. Niner gang.